One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. We're so excited to have everybody along with us. Uh, we're going to have a great show. Uh, you know, it's another crazy week for all of us. It's, it always has been, always will be a crazy week uh, for what we do. But uh, had a fantastic time uh, this past Wednesday hosting the uh, Talent and Technology uh, Symposium for PMI, uh, which is available on demand if you go to projectmanagement.com. Uh, you can register for it there, see it, uh, see all of the presentations that we did. I uh, was, was uh, proud to be the host, was happy uh, to do that. And I was the kind of the main person bringing everything together uh, in between the different speakers. So it was a lot of fun, um, a lot of stuff around uh, AI, uh, drones, um, the blockchains, all, you know, all kinds of new technology. It was actually a little scary. The, the common theme was Skynet is true and that it's coming. But uh, it was very, very interesting. I learned a tremendous amount. Uh, just participating in that. So please go uh, visit projectmanagement.com. And also on projectmanagement.com, we're happy to be hosting this show now. So our podcast can be found there, as well as rickamorris.com. And of course, always live every Friday on the Voice America Business Network. So we're going to go ahead and get into today's show because we got a lot to talk about. And I'm, I'm so happy to have a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Rollins is going to be on the show with us. And after his military career, he spent 16 years leading large sales and operational teams in his corporate career. And but he and his wife, Melissa, founded the Rollins Performance Group, Incorporated. And now, they help others grow using their proprietary 3C model of high performance, which we're going to talk about today. And this model focuses on key elements of communication, connection, and conversion as the foundation to achieve consistent and sustainable growth I happen to know him as a fellow John Maxwell team member and a certified DISC master trainer with Personality Insights. So let's welcome him to the show. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Rick. Good to be with you and everyone today. Good to be with you. I've got my high eye ready to go. So uh, <laughs> we're ready to walk out. Now, um, for most of our audience that listens to us every week, they're, you know, they're not new to DISC. We talk about DISC quite a bit in, in how... I think the number one thing a project manager needs to do, and of course all managers and leaders, but me being in the project management industry, um, I always say the greatest thing that they need to focus on is growing their influence and understanding that in our career, we don't really have direct reports. So project managers, you know, the, the project's not ours, the people that are on it don't report to us directly, and you know, we have no budget authority, yet we're supposed to be in full control of the project. And a lot of project managers get confused by that. And I say, no, it's mm -hmm. all influence. So we want to talk influence. We want to talk disc and the power of that because it's a tool uh, I've been using probably 16, 17 years now, but boy, we're, did, did the lid get blown off for me when I got a chance to really see it through personality insights and, and understand it the way you and, and everybody else teaches it uh, that, that's been certified through there. So let's just jump into it because a lot of people will say disc Oh, just, you know, it changes over time or, you know, I did, I, you know, I, I can make it come out to whatever I want it to be. So it's not valid. And, and how do you address some of those questions right out of the gate? Well, first off, Rick, that's a great question about the, uh, the validity of the assessment in the scientific community. Uh, you know, there, there's no self-assessment that is ever going to score hundred percent on a validity scale. Uh, the, the assessments are actually measured uh, by a process called Cronbach's Alpha, and that determines is an assessment accepted as scientifically valid. It has to achieve uh, a coefficient of 0.7 or higher in order to be valid. Uh, the DISC assessments that we use rate uh, range in the high, uh, I think it's like 0.8755, so I mean they're way up there, right? I uh, had a guy tell me one day, I asked him, I said, how good is that on the Cronbach's Alpha scale? 0.8755. He said, that's off the freaking charts. But, but to your point about whether or not it's valid, it, it's interesting. People can absolutely answer an assessment, especially if they kind of know what they're looking for. And they could skew the results of that assessment. And here's what I often tell people. You're not making the assessment process invalid. You're just wasting yours. <laughs> Because wow. I, could I could take an assessment, I'll give you this one, Rick. I could take an assessment today and make myself a high S 
and say, look, I'm a high S. You and everyone else that knows me. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm glad you answered all those questions, but <laughs> that's just a waste of paper. So, yeah, and I think personal integrity comes into play right. as well, correct? Well, yeah. So the, at the end of the day, it is about that. It's about understanding who you are. And I think one of the reasons sometimes that people do that is because they fail to recognize that there is not a good or a bad style. They might have seen a style that was operating out of control. And all of a sudden they thought, Ooh, I don't want to be that style. Well, every style has under control and out of control characteristics. As long as we understand and recognize who we are and how we're wired, then we can appreciate our style. And actually we, we go from a point of misunderstanding people to understanding people to, you know, once we recognize those traits to appreciating each of the different styles. And ultimately our goal is to move to a point where we celebrate all the unique styles that people have. Now, when you mentioned about it being fairly consistent, who we are typically is pretty consistent. That's just how we're wired. Now, it's funny, I've had people challenge that with me in the past where they say, I can take the assessment and it varies a little bit one way or another. And there is truth to that statement. So that was a great point you brought up. Uh, in fact, I often will have people go in, even in training classes, we go to the advanced class, I will have them retake an assessment for the exact purpose of showing them it might not be exactly the same. But what happens is when you have nearly 20,000 potential plotting points on a graph, it might move a little bit and maybe one letter shifts or it changes. But when you show the overall graph, what I do is I'll actually put dots up to say, here was your last one, here was this one. It might've switched and, and some people would, would panic, if you will, if two letters swap, say I'm a DI and they say, oh my gosh, I took the assessment, I'm an ID, right? They're right here, if, if, you know, if I'm on a graph. It's not like I went from here to there. I'm never going to be at the bottom of the graph. I'm going to be at the top. So while they might shift, the shifts are slight. And I, I do say, yes, anything could impact how we took an assessment on a day, right? Maybe we were sick, not speaking that over anyone, but you know, just, just dealing with stress in our life, situations, um, you know, things happening on the job. Not that there's ever in the project management world any high demands placed on you, right? <laughs> you know, they, they just might impact that. But those things would be done. So you really just want to look at saying, in a perfect world, if I didn't have to adapt myself to anyone else, I mean, this would be my state of euphoria, right? If everyone adapted to me, this would just be me on cruise control in my natural state. And that doesn't excuse us from doing the other things, but what it does is helps us to recognize the areas that when we are naturally operating in them, it's actually recharging us. It's almost like you with your phone on charge versus me if my phone wasn't on charge. We can both do the identical steps. You are actually getting juiced up. I'm getting worn down. And when we're done, you're revved up and ready to go. And I'm saying, I got to go find an outlet and get some juice in my bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Being a high eye, that was one of the biggest things I had to learn was, you know, I work in my home office. And so if I'm not traveling for a client, then I'm secluded and not around people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll feel myself get drained and immediately pick up the phone and call somebody, <laughs> anybody <laughs> who will be willing to talk to me, but we'll call somebody and, and recharge that battery. So I, my creative juices flow, everything else starts to flow when we do that. Um, one, one point though, uh, I think is really important. It's something that I point out as well is that there's multiple uh, versions of this that's out there um, in the sense that there's, you know, the Wiley version, which only asks you the one, you know, set of questions. And then we've got our version that, that we subscribe to, which is, you know, the best and, and the least, or what do you most feel like? And, and what do you least feel like? Um, describe why that's different and, and, and why we do that. Well, it, that, that's good that you brought that up. When you think about the most and least, uh, the most the best way I've described this to people, when we ask someone what they prefer most, we move them toward their environmental trait. This is, and what our environmental trait is, is number one, it's a, definitely a much more flexible trait. And it's a trait that we can adapt to. Again, not being high in any trait doesn't excuse us from going there. We just have to manage the energy. But 
But an environmental trade is somewhere where we've learned to adapt. I don't always want to say home and work uh, because I've actually seen people in their environmental trade at home when home was not the best environment, whatever, right? And maybe they said, I'm myself at work. Okay. Um, But that's driven by the most question. The least answer is typically far more consistent. I'll give you an example of this, Rick, that I think everyone could resonate with. If I were to ask you this question, what is your favorite meal? And we can go out to dinner tonight and you can get anything you want. What would you like? Your favorite dish? Yep. So for me, it's, it's going to change. It could be chicken, could be steak, well, hold on, hold it could on, be but whatever. Give me your, give me, but give me your favorite one first. Let's try this. Uh, favorite one would be steak. You love steak. So you'd have steak, steak for dinner if we went out tonight. Yep. Cool. How about lunch tomorrow? Probably not. <laughs> now, see, it's funny that you changed that quick. And I know, but you think about it. I actually will have people say, yes, yes, yep. Well, maybe not, right? Right. So then if I flip the question and I said, what is that gross, disgusting, oh my gosh, you know, I think I feel a call to a 40-day fast before I have to eat this, right? <laughs> what is that thing you just despise? Sushi. <laughs> not All doing right. it. I'm with you, right? Okay. <laughs> so would you like sushi for dinner? Absolutely not. Lunch tomorrow. Never. Dinner tomorrow. So, ah, yeah. so, so you see what happens is eventually we can all do the thing we, we like the least if we have to, right? That's adapting. But it's, it's something that's so much more consistent. The food analogy is the best example I've ever used where people say, even the thing I love the most, too much of a good thing is I need a little variety. Those things we dislike the most typically are much deeper rooted in the core of who we are. Uh, and they keep us very consistent, you know, with saying this is going to be slowed a little to ever experience change. And that's why. And so, yeah, and, and didn't mean to step on you there, but that's exactly why the most and the least. And, and I've heard it explained that way. And it resonated with me so much, especially for anybody that says, you know, oh, this changes often. Yep. Your behavioral one changes. But if you're not tracking the one that really is who you are. Uh, you know, for instance, me being, I'm an ID, but I get drained in the D and, and it's because, you know, when I have to get onto my kids and, and turn into that, you know, taskmaster, I, I, it drains me. I have no energy, but when we're having fun and goofing off and, and doing fun things, then, you know, I'm getting juiced up as well. So we're going to take our first break right here. Uh, we'll be right back with Chris Rollins of the Rollins Performance Group. We'll be right back after this break. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. 
Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance with uh, Rick Morris. We're visiting with Chris Rollins today, talking all about DISC. Uh, and, you know, I, I did say, you know, most of the audience does know DISC, but for those that may be just tuning in for the first time, just go ahead and give us a quick categorization of, of, of DISC, what, what each one of the letters means for us. Well, DISC, uh, well, okay, well, let me start by saying DISC is what we refer to as the model of human behavior, right? It's something that Dr. William Marston developed in the 1920s. And it really just measures really why people behave the way they do. The fact that most people do exhibit predictable patterns of behavior. And so Dr. Marston basically put them into four quadrants. Uh, we, and, and each letter in the quadrant makes up the word DISC. It's one of the things that makes it memorable. <laughs> but the D is often referred to as dominant. And I actually use the word driven very often, Rick. I'll tell you that. I like that. Yeah. I actually prefer the word driven and speak to many Ds who look at the, you know, yes, we're driven to get results. It's, it, to us, being a high D, that's a more positive term. <laughs> For the I, it's inspiring. Uh, so definitely, you know, outgoing and people-oriented individuals. Uh, the S is what we call supportive, the largest population group on the planet. Uh, something that people definitely need to be aware of. And uh, the C is cautious. So they're the ones that, you know, they're, they're reserved and task oriented and want to make sure that, you know, that measure twice, cut once, I guess, if you will. I often say this about the, the C. I get the board cut much faster. They're usually not running back to the home store to grab another board because <laughs> they got it right the first time. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, I'm going to pivot for a second there because one of the biggest aha moments for me in, in, in merging DISC with project management was that the largest population group is the supportive type, which right. do not like to um, have unnecessary change is the way I say it. I don't like to say they don't like change. Um, they'll change, but they have to know why. They have to understand it and they have to process it yes. in order for them to do that. Well, for project managers, almost everything we do every day is initiating change. Mm -hmm. And so there's a common kind of rub there uh, from anybody that any of your stakeholders to also what you're doing from a project perspective. And that was just such a huge aha for me. Well, I think, Rick, one of the reasons that, that they think that way, and it's a good thing for project managers to consider, because you're right, that whole role is about initiating change. But it's, so people often will say that about that S, that supportive style. They don't like change. It's not that they don't like change. They don't like change for the sake of change. Um, so that's this one reason they embrace the status quo, right? Because to them, the status quo is, think of a great word, safe. And to the S, this is the one thing I've learned over time. So oftentimes people will get frustrated with that S, right? When they feel like they're balking at the change. Their focus so often isn't even on themselves, it's what's the potential risk? How is this going to potentially negatively impact so many other people because they are so others focused? It's an amazing strength when you use it the right way. Yeah, and, and you have to say it slowly when you say if somebody is an A or uh, yeah, oh, an S. S. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Um, because that can come out completely wrong if you speak quickly <laughs> like I do. Um, and so really at the crux of it as well and where the largest sources of conflict are, is between what we call task-oriented and people-oriented, which is, is kind of half the circle, right? Yes. So why don't you describe that for the audience? Well, I'll describe it. Let me start, since you brought it up, by explaining why it is a source of uh, so much conflict. Uh, we typically say that roughly about 90% of conflict comes between uh, task and people-oriented. So 
if we think about that, about 10% of conflict comes between someone's motor of activity, their pace, whether they're outgoing or whether they're reserved. And it's interesting when, uh, when you think about why is that? One of the things is this, we can quickly identify someone's pace. It is very observable to the natural eye, especially when you know what to look for, without even needing to talk to someone. It's how quickly they walk in a room. I mean, just their pace, right? How they talk, so many things uh, that are there. Uh, the, but the compass of activity, if you will, the difference between task and people is often an internal driver that we have to, to figure out. And since it's not as, as easy to recognize as the other, it can cause more conflict. But so I think that there's a big confusion in the world. I hear this often, and, and as a primary D, I'm a DI. So you're an ID, I'm a DI. We're actually very close on the scale. But as a DI, I'm still more task-driven than I am people-oriented. And I had someone say this to me one day, Rick, years ago that just lit me up. Well, that's because you're a D. You don't like people, right? Oh. And, and I'm going to tell you this, Rick, it was an I that said that to me, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. You're an I, you don't have the right to tell me who I do and don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you, so you see the conflict, that, that right. Was, right? But, but there's this big misperception that task-oriented people uh, or, or individuals that predominantly are D or C, which are both task-driven traits, well, they don't like people. And I'll say this, it's also just as much misperceived that just because someone is quote unquote people oriented that they do like people. I know that right. almost sounds, you Cause know. I'm a high eye and I don't like anybody. So it's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Go ahead. <laughs> but when you think about it, right. So I often say that, that one of the differences between task and people, when someone says, how do I know, um, you know, number one, you've got to understand that there is not a right or wrong. And when you don't explain the difference, I find a lot of times that people will say, gee, I probably should be people oriented because if I say task, I'm a jerk. I mean, you see how that can come across, yeah, right? Absolutely. So I always say every time I get 30,000 feet in an airplane, thank God for the high sea engineer, right? Yes. Every time I drive over a bridge, uh, you know, Rick, I like you, but I don't want you designing the bridge, right? You're the high eye, you know, you're the mechanic, the high eye that says, well, you know, they always give us extra parts and the task oriented says, no, no, that part goes somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so the difference is people will say, well, how do I know? How do I know which one I am? And the, the easy example I'll give is this. When you lay in bed at night, a task-oriented person, this goes through our mind. What did I get accomplished today? Did everything on my checklist get done today? What's the first thing I've got to do when I get up in the morning, right? I've got to get this done. This is on my list for tomorrow. Notice what our focus is on, right? Yep. Again, it doesn't make us bad people, but it's just this is, this is, this is our focus is on the task at hand. And by the way, we use the task to take care of people. That is an important thing for, for people that are people who are in a dealing with a task oriented person to understand. We're still taking care of people. We're just doing it our way. And, and we're using the task to do that. So if I flipped. Your right. task is I need to motivate somebody today. Right? I'm going to schedule right. 30 minutes with Chris to motivate him. Right. I mean, that's, that's, a, and it's on the to-do list, right? That's, that's essentially it. Okay. So prime example, right? The, the world we live in today, at the end of the day, Facebook, right? Um, you know, oh, I got to go wish happy birthday. Oh, it was Rick's birthday today. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, it was still that task, but the task oriented person will say, you know, well, if I didn't wish them happy birthday today, they still got a year older. It's okay. Now a people oriented individual will lay in bed at night. They don't think what got done today. What's the first thing I got to get done tomorrow, right? They'll think something like this. Oh my gosh, I got to talk to this person today. I got to talk to that person today. Who did I see today? You know, who saw me today? <laughs> a little bit of fun on that one. But, you know, it, it's really about that. In fact, my wife being a high eye, as you know, would lay in bed and say, oh my gosh, it's 1130. I didn't wish all these people happy birthday on Facebook. And she'll reach over and grab her phone off the nightstand and start wishing happy birthday because she doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings because she loves people. And it's all about the people. And the task guy and me says, yeah, they're still a year older. It's okay. <laughs> it's the difference between the two. But when people don't understand what draws somebody, that's where, you know, they try to approach, uh, or as we'll often say, they try to approach, if we consider task on the left of the model and people on the right, they try to approach people the wrong way. 
And I think the biggest thing we can do to keep help people uh, reduce conflict is understand a term we use called approaching the world from right to left. When you approach a group of individuals from people oriented to task, as John Maxwell said one time about walking through the office and saying, walking right by the people. And the guy said, I had to get busy getting to work. John said, you just walk right by all your work, right? When, when we approach people first, hi, how are you, Rick? How are you doing today? Hope you had a great day. Yes, we can get to the task. But when we approach people, and, and by the way, a task-oriented person does not mind the short formality. Don't write us a you know, novel, but they don't mind the short, form, you know, the, the hi, how you doing? But when we go straight to the task, I need this done, this done, this done, we wonder why the employee morale goes so far down because people think, God, they're such a jerk, right? It doesn't take long at all. And I've had people, I don't have time for that. Well, you don't have time not to do that because two-thirds of the planet is people-oriented. Note to teach every task-oriented person listening, right? Two-thirds of the planet are people-oriented. Always approach right to left, and you can connect to everyone. When you approach left to right, you'll connect to the third that think like you, and the other two-thirds will immediately be disassociated because they felt conflict. Yeah, and on that point, and we've got two minutes before break, but you know, one of the, the best things that I had heard from Dr. Rome as well, uh, especially when I'm speaking, so for those people that are you know speakers out there, that kind of stuff, um, is what did you think? How did you feel? Right, right. And, and so that the the right on the right side, we feel our way into a decision, <laughs> and on yes. the left side, you think your way into a decision, and just again understanding that basic component can can take away a tremendous amount of conflict or at least misunderstandings. Well, yes, it can. To your point there about feeling and thinking, we were we were talking about it uh, prior to the show in the world of cells, right? I, I said there's a big misperception, a truth that I often hear taught as the truth that says, says the cell is made emotionally and justified logically. That is correct for two-thirds of the population. It's not correct for the other third, though. That third does not make my third, if you will, because I can put myself in that bucket. We do not make the decision emotionally and justify it logically. We make the decision logically, and then it's the right next step, and we move on. And to your point about learning to speak to an audience, it's not, well, which one do I do? You address both to speak the language of your entire audience rather than pigeonholing yourself into only connecting with a portion. Yeah, one of the things I like to do in a workshop, and I think it's fun to do with the team anyway, is tell me your process uh, on how to buy a car. Right. Right. And, and, and which car are you going to buy? It, right. And, and, you know, the disc comes way out in that, right? The C's have visited it, you know, 11 times and, and test drove it six times. The I's said, you know, today I'm getting a car and whatever one, you know, floats your boat, that's what we're going to go get. <laughs> And we don't even worry about payments until later. We're like, golly, that's a lot, right? So <laughs> I know this thought about that earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you, what are you going to do? So we're going to take another break right here. We're going to be right back with Chris Rollins. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. <laughs> Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners 
So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the third segment of the Work-Life Balance this week. And as always, you can hit us up on Twitter, uh, I'm at Rick A. Morris. You can find us via rickamorris.com or rsquareconsulting.com. Always looking for feedback. And if you think you would make a fantastic guest yourself, please reach out to us. There's a form out there uh, to let us know about you. So coming back with Chris Rollins. Uh, so Chris, as we get into more of DISC, and we can talk about DISC like crazy for, <laughs> excuse me, for hours, you and me. But um, one of the things that I think is really important to, to understand um, is – when we're getting into to disc itself, right? Um, there's we've talked about the brands in the marketplace, but mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite stories uh, of hearing from Dr. Rome, and I know you've got tons of them as well, was uh, when he worked with the baseball team, yep. and he worked uh, who I, I can't remember off the top of my head, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, right? And they said, uh, you know, what kind of people did you want on the team? They said all high D's, which you know was was a, a cool thing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're getting into teams and understanding DISC, why is it so effective for not only a manager, but team members to understand each other's profiles? Well, you know, first and foremost, if you think about it, when you understand someone else's profile, what you're able to do is learn to adapt and speak to them in a way they need to be spoken to. It, it's not that, and sometimes you say, oh, you know, I don't have time to deal with that, right? Uh, that's just being needy. It's not needy. It's speaking their language. You can speak a language that someone understands and you reach them in their head, right? Intellectually. But when you speak their language, you reach their heart. You actually touch them at the core of who they are. And so when you learn to speak the different styles, recognize the styles, know the styles of your team, and then can adjust, you increase employee morale, Employee engagement goes through the roof. Turnover goes down, right? Which we always say, uh, well taken care of employees always equals well taken care of customers. So now your CSI or MPS, whatever version of that you use, ends up going up. Your sales goes up. It's funny that all of those things are highly measurable. It's one of the reasons that I just get set off on a tangent. Everyone, someone tells me, Chris, that's a soft skill. So really, what's the number one reason you have to you have to turn over people? Well, because they can't get along with anybody. Hmm. All right. Well, if it's a soft skill, explain to me why it's so daggum hard, right? Right. Um, and, and it is very, very measurable by so many of the KPIs that we use in an organization today. We can improve that. We can improve that. We can improve that simply by learning to recognize and, and adjust and adapt. I've seen companies do everything from literally put the dots on their hard hats, right? I was so impressed. You talk about a culture. This is who I'm talking to, to their graphs hanging up on the outside of their door. When you're walking into an office, this is who you're speaking with. I know people that put them uh, in their email signatures. I mean, it's just so many different things that you do that helps people say it becomes part of a culture. And what we're doing is we're learning to speak. This is what I often say. There are over 6,000 languages spoken in the world today. If I can teach you to speak four, you can connect to any human being on the planet. That's why it's so powerful. That's well said. You know, a personal story for me, 
I remember managing a team and it was the first time I really had direct reports. Again, being a project manager, nobody ever really reported directly to me. And I, you know, in the beginning, everything was great, but of course I'm a high eye, right? <laughs> so once we started to settle in, then there was a lot of idiosyncrasies that I did as part of my personality that were bothering them. And of course that was turning into bigger items. And I asked them to write down kind of everything they didn't like about, you know, what I did. And, and that was something I was going to improve. Um, and in the feedback that I got back, almost every single thing I could improve that day, meaning I just mm. wasn't aware right. that when I said this to this person, I wasn't speaking their language. So I'll give you an example that um, I had a very, very high eye person that was working for me. I'd say, you know, write an email and please say ABC, okay. right? Well, anything I said after please say ABC, he was like, dude, I'm, I'm a creative person. I don't need to be told how to write an email, right? So that was demoralizing to him. To me, it's like, that's really easy to change, to say, hey, when I talk to that person, just tell them what I want, they'll go create it, right? And, and so when I started to look back after I'd been you know, certified through DISC and really uh, mm -hmm. did my deep dives, I could see every one of those was a personality uh, communication flaw that I had put in of me just coming from my eye and them trying to absorb that. I think one of the great things that I picked up on that you just said there, though, when you talk about how it's so powerful is that you said, I can change it that day, right? Yeah. It's all about adjusting and adapting and changing how we communicate and connect with others, yet at the same time, when it's done properly. And I want to say when it's done properly, because Lord knows I've seen people you know, try to change people or, or have one style in the room feel demoralized, which is the worst thing you could ever do. At the same time, you could change those things that day, but the internal wiring of who you are is who you are. We're never trying to change an individual at the core of who they are. We just want them to understand themselves better and to understand others better and to be able to connect at a higher level. And so to sum that up, I think it's awareness. Right. I, I think that's the word you really drive home is to just simply because I've seen, you know, several people go, well, that's just the way I am. People have to deal with it. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, they're dealing with it by not working for you or they're dealing with it by, you know, telling you off. Right? It's, that's how they're dealing with that. But I, I think that awareness creation, um, because, again, those most of the things that were on that list were little idiosyncrasies that I did to everybody. It just right. this one ticked that person off. This one ticked that person off. And I just said, I can stop doing that. It's really easy. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it's just, it, it's mind blowing that, um, that people though will be afraid sometimes talk about that. Um, organizations or cultures that are afraid for you to come in and do desk. What, what do you think of that? The only time you really see someone that comes in and they're, they're afraid for you to come in and do it is because they're dead set that, yeah, everyone needs to adjust to me, right? Uh, or, or they just don't want to adapt and, and don't want to change. There's truly nothing to fear in a process where you want to get better and you want to understand others. The thing that I like to keep in mind when I remind people is that every trait exhibits certain characteristics, what we call under control or what we can call out of control, right? And so when we come in to an organization, first and foremost, we start with an assessment process, helps us understand the model that we're dealing with, and then we train across the model. Um, what we're not doing is changing their process. We're not changing everything else. And really, we can't change their culture. They have to want to change their culture. But if they want an environment that, again, just creates better engagement, better communication, uh, reduces conflict across departments, not that anyone ever has that, right? and or any of that, then there's really nothing to fear with this process. If they take it, learn it. The beautiful thing about DISC is that the model is so applicable. It, it's not complex. It's not so academic that you have to go study it for a year to, to understand something. You can learn it, leave, and immediately apply it. And when you immediately apply it, you can very quickly see the results from it, uh, which again, you know, can remove all the fear, if you will, or concern that someone has, uh, you know, about coming in and doing that. The worst thing someone can do is come in, learn about all the styles and do what you just said a minute ago. Okay, got it. Y'all all understand me now. Deal with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the right answer. <laughs> um, 
but it, but again, it's being open and just being adaptable, uh, being aware of the things, as you said, uh, you know, a saying that we say often, you can't be aware of something to your first day aware of it, um, you know, and then just being able to use that to, to increase your results across the board. So you and I have talked about being certified. How does someone go about getting certified in, in DISC? What, what can they do? Where can they go? Who can they find? Well, obviously, to that point, there's going to be a number of different you know, people. There's prob- you know, probably a lot across the U.S., if you will, um, that, that work with DISC. With Personality Insights, what we do that truly stands apart, if you will, and I would say there's three things with Personality Insights to me that hands down make Personality Insights different from anyone else. Starts first and foremost with the training process. It's the reason we do in-person two full day trainings, right? This isn't a three hour webinar, which nobody here wants to admit most of us multitask steering. <laughs> and you know, we're doing half of something else. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so you're in person, you're in class for two solid days, really going through the model. And when we train on the model, we're training on the model. We're not bringing someone in a class for two days because I've actually done this. I've taken people through our certification process who were previously certified somewhere else. And I said, why are you coming here? And they said, well, I don't have, you know, this, and I don't have that. And I really wasn't trained. I said, well, didn't you go somewhere to a two day, you know, or a three day class or whatever. Um, if they were someone that did it live and they said, yeah. So well, what'd you learn? They said, well, they spent about an hour talking about this and the rest of the time on how to sell assessments. Oh Lord. Right. Oh, so you're a glorified affiliate. Um, I mean, essentially you've got to know the training process. Otherwise, you're going to take something that is intended to help people. You're not going to understand it and you're going to hurt people with it. I see trainers over and over again that walk in, like I said, try to change the group. They try to label them. They try to pigeonhole them. And so many times when I work with an organization that says, we've already done some of the basics of DISC and you get the advanced stuff. I said, oh, you've already been trained in DISC? Yes. Okay. I'm starting with the basics. <laughs> well, no, no. We told you we've already been trained. I know. Now I got to go fix all the last job. Right? Yeah. So training <laughs> yeah, undo is, it. <laughs> right. So training is number one. Curriculum is number two. We've got over 25 curriculums that are each developed. Some of them are half day up to a full day uh, to use for workshops for different specific categories, whether it was just understanding someone else, uh, speaking, presenting, leading, selling, um, conflict resolution, teamwork, et cetera, all these different things, having the curriculum developed is key. And yes, assessments are important because while there are a lot, and I want to be clear about this because we're definitely not the only one, there are good assessments in a marketplace. Now, you know I'm an assessment junkie. I take a bunch of them. There are some very good assessments out there. Uh, any assessment you've got to make sure has truly been validated, as I talked about the validation process earlier. Um, unfortunately, there are some people out there that have assessments that, hey, I think I sat down in my study tonight and created an assessment and started selling it tomorrow. It hasn't been studied or validated. I don't know that I'd want to be using those, right? Because you don't know that they're accurate. So understanding the training, the curriculum, and the assessment process. Uh, I know this. Our training process, I'll put up against anyone as being second to none. Uh, Obviously, the things we do that are a little bit unique, um, you know, is hosting them in small group events, uh, doing the, the private community for our trainers after the fact. And then, as you know, I do live weekly teaching calls every week for our trainers to help them continue to learn because I don't want the learning to, to be over just because they finished a two day session. But um, you know, going through that training process, when it comes to the curriculum that's developed, I'll tell you this, there's no one even close to what we have pre-developed. I mean, Dr. Rome spent 35 years creating that. I've created quite a bit of this curriculum of my own over the, the years, but he's got a 30, you know, almost a 30 year jump on me. So sure, sure. You know, that's a lot of curriculum. And so, and your website is what? RollinsPerformanceGroup.com, correct? Yeah, RollinsPerformanceGroup.com, right. So if you're interested in finding out how to become certified yourself, you can certainly reach out to RollinsPerformanceGroup.com and find out where they're going to be doing some trainings, possibly in your area, or they'll certainly come to your area uh, if there's enough need. But we're going to take our final break right here, and we'll be right back on the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office 
train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes. R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality, so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work-life balance. Okay, so we're back. Um, and uh, yeah, so we didn't we didn't pick up that we were back <laughs> at all. We didn't hear any music or anything. So sorry for the personal chat there. We'll get that uh, edited up for our podcast. But for our live audience, Welcome to a live broadcast. That's what happens. So uh, I was sitting there going, the break is, break is exceedingly long here. We're just chatting, but uh, maybe I should have been, you know, my high eye. I just wanted to check on you, your wife, on, on personal things. So anyway, <laughs> so, so coming back, Chris, uh, tell people how to, uh, to get in touch with you and what classes are coming up. I, well, they can, they can reach us directly at rollinsperformancegroup.com. Of course, they can connect with me at, you know, Twitter, the Chris Rollins. LinkedIn, obviously, is, is which is my biggest platform, um, you know, whatever. But uh, if they go to the site at RollinsPerformanceGroup.com, there is one of the buttons right on the main page. It talks about our upcoming schedule. Um, we've got the schedule that's posted for the remainder of the year currently uh, up on the site. Uh, we actually have a Dallas class next month in July that, that's full at this point. But we've got August, uh, the first part of August, second and third in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we will be in Chicago, Illinois on October 15th and 16th, and then back down in Atlanta on November 5th and 6th to finish out the year. Our uh, schedule through Q1, at least through March of next year, will probably be posted within the next seven to 10 days once we finalize the contracts uh, with the training facilities. Outstanding. And so the, uh, the quote that we ask everybody on the show, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? You know, Rick, probably one of the, if, if I think of the first thing that comes to mind when someone says the best advice I ever received, it's interesting because this has fit multiple aspects of my life, right? There is strength in being independent, but there's weakness when you try to do things alone. And, and I think about that and I'm reminded because as you even know, obviously, as we're both part of the John Maxwell team, right? It, it's so interesting when people say, hey, you know, I get to get out and do this. And when I say there's a difference between being independent or being alone, I see so many people that step out as entrepreneurs in the business world, right? I've worked for so-and-so for so long, and I know how to do whatever their widget is that they're doing. I think I can do this on my own. And if you want to know why 90% of businesses fell in the first three years, it wasn't that they didn't know what they were doing. 
It's the last part of what they just said there. I think I can do this on my own. When I was in the army, this year I was a tank commander. So, you know, one of the things that we would always talk about, and I'll date myself going way back to the 80s and 90s when I was in the military, but, uh, you know, was that somebody like Rambo looked really good on a Hollywood screen, right? Got them, you know, M60 or whatever on his hip, and he's just, you know, bla blazing, guns blazing, whatever. Look, we all looked at that and said, okay, that guy's dead in 60 seconds in a real battlefield. We are the greatest fighting force on the planet because we fight as a unit. That's what we do. We have to have each other's back. So when we understand being independent, we think about our marriage just the same way, right? We're independent in that aspect, but neither one of us are alone. And in business, embrace the strengths of our independent, unique skills and qualities, but don't get out there and try and do it alone. John's made a statement that, that we both probably know very, very well. One's too small a number to achieve greatness, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever put those two together, but they really fit together. Um, you know, you can be independent, but that is not the same as being alone. That's probably one of the strongest things I've ever heard that fit me from like my it. military career to my business today. Absolutely. I love it. I appreciate that. So, uh, any final words, uh, for our audience? You know, I, I think just the, the biggest thing that, that I would remind people, uh, actually I often share this. So it's something that Harvard business review shared when they said the number one criteria for advancement and promotion for professionals is an ability to communicate effectively. And so there's a huge difference in learning to talk and learning to communicate. Learn to communicate, to connect with your audience. It will help drive influence as you open the session with talking about influence, which ultimately will drive impact and results and income. That's what I believe. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We, we've had a great time having you along with us and look forward to, to seeing you again. And I know I'll be seeing you uh, shortly, right? In August, we'll be yep. with each other. And anybody who's interested uh, in joining the John Maxwell team, being with Chris and I in Orlando, you can certainly reach out uh, to at Rick A. Morris or rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Happy to answer any of the questions that you have about the John Maxwell team or, or joining this fantastic organization as well. Uh, coming up on the show, speaking of John Maxwell team, we've got a couple of team members that, that are going to be coming up on the show. Next Friday, we're going to have Marie Cosgrove. Uh, Marie actually shares the stage uh, with Les Brown, and she is a powerhouse, feisty little powerhouse. And she's, <laughs> she's a lot of fun, uh, but an incredible story that you're not going to want to miss. I mean, she's, she's had an incredible run, incredible story, but uh, is such an inspiration to many of us. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have James Harrington. He's also a John Maxwell team member. Uh, but he heads up uh, the Ugandan Water Project. So it's it's going to be really in-depth about not only project management, but an incredible charity that, that's bringing clean water uh, to, to much-needed areas. And James is a phenomenal person. So we've got some really, really good shows coming up. We look forward to sharing them with you every Friday right here on the Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to Rick Morris with the Work-Life Balance, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.